0: Now, the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the near me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods. And it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox. And what the gearbox is, it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products there's there's a shopping function on it so check out the go wild app if you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet you need to and you can do that at Any app store that is currently available. Go wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm going to rub my nub against the microphone so you know it's me. Hopefully you guys can. <laughs> hopefully you guys can hear that. Welcome to the, this episode. It's a great episode, like all of them, and it's brought to you by Vortex Optics. I don't even know. This is a BS session between me and Bob Polanek. We talk about our summer prep, and uh, he gets poison ivy really bad. I get poison ivy really bad, and we we talk about poison ivy. We talk about summer preparations we talk about whitetails we talk about western hunts we talk about you know physical fitness getting ready for you know not only getting our gear ready but getting our bodies ready for the upcoming hunting season and uh it's a great bs session episode i know you guys like those and i am just going to continue to put out awesome content i'm tired of shit right now it's like 11:30 on a sunday night i want to be in bed but it was the i had the opportunity today to do a couple things go to a park and hang with my kids and then go on a little hike with my kids or sit up here and work and i tried to come up here and work and then i heard my kids kind of playing outside and i got i i guilted myself into putting down work and going out and uh, playing with my kids, and I'm glad I did because I would, uh, I don't know, I just get jacked because I'm i am honestly a big kid at heart, so whenever I get the opportunity to act like a kid with my own kids, it's a win-win, and that way my wife isn't as pissed off as me for ignoring the kids and coming to work, so she has to watch all of them by herself, so <laughs> it's a win-win. Uh, today's episode, I already told you it's a BS session, and today our Let's see, who are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Vortex Optics. Now, you guys have heard me talk about their, uh, their their warranty, right? You break it, accident or on purpose or whatever, right? It burns in a fire, a bear chews it up, you back over it with your truck, you send it into them, they will fix it, and then they will send it back to you. That is pretty simple right? They have excellent customer service. They are participants in shooting. They are participants in hunting and shooting and hunting is their market, right? So they are participants in the activity that they're trying to market to. Not all brands can say that. Uh, And that is why I find this partnership that I have with Vortex Optics awesome, Because I get them, they get me, they support hunting, they support conservation, and uh, the people that I've met through that company are just awesome people. They have a passion for the outdoors, they have a passion for wildlife, just like I do. And the cherry on top is that they make kick-ass binoculars, rifle scopes, spotting scopes, rangefinders. They just have an awesome lineup of optics um let's see the razor hd is the spotting scope that i'm going to be using in south dakota and this is going to sound pretty shitty but i don't even know the the vortex binoculars that i bought like eight years ago or however however long ago i've had them that long i've sent them in twice for repairs on the house And they've covered it and they've sent it back to me. So instead of having to buy a brand new pair of binoculars, they fix it and they send it back to me. So that's a win-win as well. So I highly recommend checking out Vortex Optics if you're looking for any type of optics from a rangefinder to a spotting scope, to binoculars, to rifle scopes, red dots, whatever you name it, vortexoptics.com. All right, I done sold out. I got the commercial out of the way. You know what the podcast is going to be about, so let's get right into it. In three, two, one. All right, on the phone, my brother from another mother, Mr. Bob Polanik. Bob, what's up, dude?
1: Not too much, Dan. I am... uh, My wife uh, tells me that I talk pretty slow, but I am on a bunch of groovy steroids right now for the poison ivy I have, and it's got me kind of tripping out. So I might be talking a little faster on this one.
0: Man, I so, tell you what, um, how, let me just ask ask you this: How bad is your poison ivy right now?
1: Scale of one to ten, it's a nine. That bad. I have it has not blistered yet because I have I caught it right away. I was fearful that I got it in my bloodstream. um I don't know that I have, but uh it's uh it's all over my forearms. it's in the crease of my elbows like <sighs> if you go from my bicep to my wrist uh at least half of each arm is covered in poison ivy
0: okay so so it's a,
1: it's a real it's a real good look.
0: Do you have now is it nine is it a nine because of the itchiness? Or is it a nine because it's all over your body?
1: It's a nine because it's all over my body. I have, uh, <clears throat> I've got some ointment, some really high like topical steroid cream that I've been putting on it. And um, I've also learned that if you um, ice it from time to time throughout the day, it really cuts down on the itching.
0: Yep. The inflammation. So, yeah. Do, you, do but you, last,
1: I mean, last night from, from midnight to two, all I did was lay in bed and try not to itch. Oh, I couldn't yeah. sleep. And I took 2 Benadryl and I still couldn't sleep.
0: I'm going to tell you right now. I get poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac really bad. Like to the point where if like if I go out into the timber these days, like right now, knowing that it's all over the place, I am in long sleeves. I am in long pants. I, got, I wear gloves, and uh, if I know I'm going to be in some taller weeds, I'm even wearing like a bandana around my face and, and a hat. Like I cover up because I get it so bad. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick little story. It was the summer before my senior year in high school or after my senior year in high school. I can't really remember, but there was a, a kid who lived out in the country, and he had a pool. And we would go there, and we'd party. And all of a sudden we see like four sheriffs come blowing down his driveway. So what do young kids do? They, I get out and I'm just in my swimming suit, jump the fence. And I run right into the timber uh, because he lives out in the country. And those police officers were relentless in trying to catch us. They, it was, I was in the woods, probably seven hours running from the police. And in that I, I, so they leave eventually. I go home. You know, I take a, a little bit of a shower, just basically to rinse the mud off my feet because I was barefoot as well. And the next day, my arms, my legs, my entire chest the only place I really didn't get it was where my swim trunks were and, and, my, uh, and my back. And I had it everywhere. Yeah. Like I had to go to the ER three days in a row that's how bad I got it. Wow. wow! And it looked, and and you know what poison sumac looks like, right? It's the big blisters. Yep. I had that all up my arms and it looked, I looked like what's that guys, uh, on the fantastic four, the rock man, you know, how he's just got those rocky scales all over his body. Oh man. That was the worst week of my life. Like punishment oh my god it was absolutely horrible i was on steroids and then i had some kind of they gave me some medication and then the the other medication i took some benadryl i took that medication and mixed it with another medication that they had given me and i had some reaction to it it wasn't like an, an, an allergic reaction but i was i felt like i was a cloud Like that is what Uh, I felt like it just like, I I didn't feel like I was itching, but I felt like this weird, my mom was like, are you okay? And I just, I I was like almost like I was high or something like that. It was nuts. It was crazy. And, uh, and I've had a poison Ivy, you know, since then, but never that bad since then. I've kind of learned my lesson that if you're going to go out in the woods, man, head to toe, head to toe.
1: Yeah. so, (sighs) the the big bummer about getting it is i got it the same exact way so i got poison ivy really bad on my arms in 2014 i was hanging a tree stand and there was a vine going up the tree and it didn't have any leaves on it i just thought it was a vine and it turned out to be poison ivy and uh it was on a sunday and the next day at work you know my arms are starting to like i'm getting a rash you know nothing had blistered you i'm starting to get a rash i'm like man Something's not right. So I like talk to my boss, leave work, I go to the urgent care, and they give me like a little steroid pack. And by the next day, my forearms are bigger than my biceps. Yeah. They're so swollen and full of poison ivy. And that was really bad. So guess what I did on Saturday? I hung a tree stand in a place (laughs) where I know there's poison ivy everywhere. And I hung a tree stand in the most perfect tree and there was vines going up it. And my wife even said is that poison ivy? And I was like, no, it's just, a there's vines. You know what I mean? And, uh, next the Sunday driving home from Nebraska, I started looking and I was like, I'm pretty sure I got into something nasty. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. The other thing that didn't help is, so I, I washed off. Like that's my big move is like, if I, if I know i come into contact with poison ivy, um, if you, if you wash it off, uh, you typically can get, you, you won't have a reaction to it. You've got to wash off within like, you know, hour and a half or so. Yeah, and I did. I, I washed off immediately afterwards, but I must have had more on me somewhere. But I went down a corn row that was probably three quarters of a mile long, and it's where two it's where two properties come together. So at first, the corn, the, the edges of the corn were like four feet apart, so I wasn't getting. Uh, like the slashing, like the corn's eight feet tall. And so I wasn't getting any of the the slashing on my arms. But as I got closer to where I wanted to put a trail camera, like the last like quarter mile, the rows were right next to each other where the property line was. And it was like, I mean, I I was hunched over walking through it and I had my arms up in front of my face so it wouldn't cut my face. And so I have all these slashing marks on my forearms and I think that's how there was poison ivy that like got like more into my into my skin and stuff like that. Oh. And I'm just I'm nervous. I'm nervous that it's in my bloodstream and it just hasn't popped up yet. Cuz if it gets in your bloodstream, it will just start popping up over the next 3-4 days, it'll just start popping up randomly Wherever. everywhere. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah.
0: I I tell you, you know, that the, that time I had it bad, it was bad, don't get me wrong. But I'll say that one of the worst cases that I ever had was when I was Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm doing some tree stand work, right. And it's, I'm sweating real bad and I must've been working in it and the oils soaked through my shirt into my chest. And, you know, sometimes you gotta stop stop and take a pee break and guess where I got it. Oh
1: yeah. I've got a little.
0: I've got a little on my pecker right now, too. Yeah, dude. There and the old, uh, the anus. <laughs> Ooh. Dude. Ooh, I haven't had that. Oh, man. You want to talk? I, I, I'll tell you some sick stories the next time we're together about having to do things just to go to the bathroom. I mean, I, mm. I, I would get it so bad that I would, my eyes would swell shut. And I couldn't see, I'd have, my dad would have to walk me into the doctor's office or I would have to take a warm, a warm shower and just kind of, you know, like bring it away from my eyes until it, you know, until it opened up. And then the pus would, you know, when I'm sleeping, the pus would, oh man, it was, oh, like I just, do you have any like remedies? Because I, dude, I I used to try the bleach I used to try the dish soap. I used to try the, Oh geez. I don't know a hundred different things to try to get, you know, a to get the oils off and B to, you know, once you do have it make the itching stop.
1: Uh, no, I don't mean the, the only way I know to not get it is that if you come in exposure with it to just wash it off Yeah. within an hour, two hours max, change your clothes, stuff like that. And then it's, you know, it's just the oil. So if you have oil on a shirt, and then, you, or a hat, or, like, I, I definitely got had some uh, oil on my sunglasses, and, like, where I grab my sunglasses by my temples, I've got two little, little spots. Um, so, yeah, the remedy, like, honestly, like, the only thing I know is uh, steroids, and then, like, a steroid cream, and then, uh, like, Benadryl at night, and, yeah, just, like, ice in the, ice in the real bad spots. But, yeah. but um, yeah, the other thing is, like, I'm lucky because my wife is a physician, so I was like, uh, "I need uh, like if this if I want it to not blister and get real bad, you need to put me on like the maximum dose of steroids that, you know, like we need to teeter on the line of questionable, and and like so yeah, so that's where I'm at. I'm on a ton of prednisone, more than I've ever taken before, and it seems like it's keeping it at bay. But we'll we'll see the next. Two days will really be telling. The other thing is, like, dude, it's summertime, and, like, I'm going to a friend's cottage this weekend. It's just, like, it's just an eyesore, dude. It's going to
0: ruin it. You know what I mean? I mean, like whenever i got it real bad and i, I you, you just sent me some pictures and that is mm-hmm. you know you are disgusting now that is yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that uh that's, that's bad <laughs> the uh even just walking outside to get the mail when you have it is just uh so when i get it real bad here's what i'll do i will turn the shower on basically to blister i mean to the hottest setting that it goes and i will basically hold my body underneath of it and just take the pain, right? The hottest water that I possibly can that comes out of my shower. Now it's not boiling, so it's not going to necessarily burn me, but then I, so everything, all the pores open up, right? Get the steam in there and it just, it's real irritated. So then all that, it starts to pus real bad. Then what I do is I will turn the shower all the way to cold as cold as it possibly can get. And then I'll just go underneath of it as cold as possible. And then what I, what I think happens is all of the pores then shrink down and they're they, they're real tight. And I just soak in that cold, cold, cold shower for as long as I can take. And then I get out. And typically that keeps me good until I start getting warm again. Right. If, you know, most of the time I, I do that, okay. and I, then I go and I sit in the, the chair and, with a fan on me and don't do anything. But like yeah. you said, I also put ice packs directly on them and just yep. freeze them out. And then I do that for as long as I need to until the itching goes away. You know, sometimes that's five days. Sometimes that's, uh, you know, more than that. But yeah, dude, poison yeah. ivy, poison oak,
1: poison I'm just sumo. really. <clears throat> I'm just really disappointed in myself because <laughs> I, I just got it the same way I've gotten it before. Yeah. It's just the good news is, is I cut all those vines. And so hopefully when I go back there, I think I'm going to go back there in a month and I'm going to bring a bunch of weed killer with me and just make sure everything's dead because I'm not moving that tree stand. That tree stands in a dynamite location. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, the, the, the main thing is like come November, my priority above anything else is going to be to kill a mature buck out of that tree stand. Just, just, just so to it's make worth all it. this worth it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I might sit there for seven days straight. Hey, you
0: know, good luck it's to just... you, man. Good luck to you. <laughs> what, I, what I do is if I, if I see a, uh, if I see a vine in a tree, I probably won't put my tree stand up in it right away, but I will cut the vines so that the next time that yeah. I come, the whole, the whole, all the vines are dead. But from what I read, it can still get you infected. That plant can still give you a rash even after it's dead.
1: Yeah, it can. Uh, I think that going out, not going back up in that tree till November, they say once it gets cold, kind of all that goes back into the vine. Yeah. I don't know if we will still do that one. Yeah. It, I know what I did um, in 2014. I cut all those vines and I sprayed everything with weed killer. And then I hunted out of that tree a whole bunch that, that fall and I never got it yeah and so i'm hoping that's the the move the, the, the thing is like you know you got poison ivy leaves that are on the ground and the, the leaves that are on the vines look different than the leaves on the ground and that's why i disregarded it
0: so uh, rookie move mm-hmm. rookie move poetic. oh yeah
1: dude big time big time but
0: all right yes, sir. so we've been talking about poison ivy for about 15 minutes now <laughs> so what i want to do is you kind of went on a mini vacation this uh, week to Idaho and on your way back through, first off, I think you told me you did not get any elk scouting done when you were in Idaho.
1: That is correct. Okay. No, the, uh, the, the original plan was to go on this big, long river trip. And then um, because of uh, people bailing and stuff like that, we thought we were just going to do like a smaller river trip and then things. So people kind of, Uh, people recommitted. So we went on a, a big river trip. So no, I didn't have time to, to do any elk scouting, which, which is fine. I don't, I don't know how much that was really going to benefit me, but yeah, it would have just been nice to know. That was the main thing I want to do is locate some water sources. Yeah. So,
0: okay. But All right. So on your way back through, however, you drove through Nebraska and you were able to hit your Nebraska farm. And, uh, what'd you do while you were on that farm other than get poison ivy?
1: Uh, so I took it, I took a tree stand down and I moved it. That's the one that got me poison ivy. And basically where this tree stand was, there's an opening in the middle of this property. It's, uh, this property is along the Missouri river. I've talked about it a few times, but, um, it's really, there's a bunch of tall, giant cottonwoods and then there's a bunch of, uh, like sapling undergrowth and it's super thick and like you, I mean, you can't really walk through it it's so thick, but there's an opening in the middle and it's maybe only like a 20 by 40 yard opening. And the closest tree to it was like 40 yards. And I had actually missed the biggest buck of my life there a couple years ago. And then I killed a decent buck there a couple years ago. And every time I sit there, I, you know, the, I'm just never in, I'm never in good bow range. And I just knew I needed to move that tree stand. I, I had gained enough information over the last few years of hunting there but I kind of figured out how mature bucks are, are using it. And, and and where I moved the tree stand was only about 80 yards, but it's to where it pinches down more. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, without looking like, at top of the map, it's tough to explain. But basically, I moved it more into, like, the very edge of a, of a very good pinch point. It's where I always see mature bucks uh, cruising during the rut. So um, I'm really excited about that spot. Uh, we then uh, – we it was my wife and I, and we got one of those, oh, it's like a twenty foot tall ladder stand, one of the big boys. And uh her and I hauled that thing out to another spot where we wanted to get a tree stand up. and and her and I put that up, and that thing was that thing was huge. it was, it was pretty big, and then we put uh it was actually it's a, it's a ladder stand that had two two support brackets that go from the ladder to the tree. And the second one was so high that I had to actually have my wife on my shoulders so she could, you know, uh, tie the tie the support the top support bracket to the tree. Wow! But um, twenty footer. Yeah. So we got it's a twenty footer to the to the platform. So it's like twenty two to the seat. So it's yep. a it's a it's a it's a great it's a great all day sit. Type of spot, and with that ladder stand, it's just going to be super comfy. And you know, I hunt out there with my wife a lot, so she can't exactly always do the running and gunning type of of hunt. I got you. And and truthfully, the the cottonwoods are so big that it's really hard to get like a a hang on in there, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of permanent stands on that property, and and it kind of just works out well. Um,
0: but it's all all isolated, right? So I mean, everything's small on that property, right? The, the timber isn't just this great expanse of timber where you can run and gun. I mean, it sounds to me like what we've talked about on this farm is that there's only a handful of good locations. that Yeah, you, you, exactly. Okay. All right.
1: Exactly. And then, um, yeah, we uh, we just checked some trail cameras. Uh, I had cameras out there from last year, and uh, we checked those and then you know put new batteries and everything. And they were actually still working. I had lithium batteries in there from November. Like each camera took like 8,000 photos and was still taking photos. And uh, so that was cool. But put new batteries and everything just to make sure we're good for the coming year. And um, check some cameras. And there's definitely uh, probably three mature bucks that survived. And then there's uh, probably two or three pretty solid two and a half year olds that survived. Oh, And when I say survived, I just simply mean that I got pictures of them in January and, uh, hunting season out there ends January 1st. So awesome. Yep. And then, um, yeah, all last year, the crops weren't in because of the flood. And this year, all the crops are in. And, um, and I'm just, when the farm that I hunt, when there's corn there, that, that farm hunts really good in November Um, Because basically the property to our north has beans and so we're on this like long stretch of timber that goes along the river and that that just becomes one big travel corridor for them. It's probably about 200 yards wide, but they just move up and down it really well when there's when there's corn on the farm I hunt. So, um, so yeah, I'm just really excited about this coming year for that property. Cool.
0: So have you had time to dig through all the trail camera pictures?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's um, yeah. It's w- a have.
0: What's the uh, what's the outlook? I mean, what have you learned about that property through trail cameras?
1: That I really need to be there um, on like November twentieth. Okay. <laughs> and I never am. Every year it's like November eighteenth, nineteenth to like the twenty second. There's always just there's just crazy. Uh, there's an always an influx of new mature bucks usually it's one to three uh new new mature bucks and they're just cruising through You only get pictures of them for a couple days and then the bucks that are there um just everything's daylight moving yeah so Um, does that mean
0: you're gonna be there this year at that uh,
1: time i'll be in the area i'll be in i'll be in iowa that time and if i can get my tag filled in iowa um I think we're going to Iowa like November thirteenth to the I don't know twenty second or something like that. So if I can get my tag filled by the you know eighteenth nineteenth, uh, and I you know a non resident for Nebraska, you can get two tags. Um, and um, so let, let me back up. Me go, and I, I apologize for kind of being all over the place.
0: It's you the, are talking fast today, and it is hilarious, the, <laughs> dude. It's the
1: predator zone. Predator zone. But. Um, yeah. So, uh, my wife and I are going to be in Nebraska the first week of November. I go home for a few days to work. Then I'm going to go back and go to Iowa. And, uh, yeah, like I said, if I can, if I, if I tag out in Nebraska and then go to Iowa and I can tag out there, I still have the option to buy a second tag in Nebraska and I could cruise back over there for, for a couple days. So oh, nice. Yep. Nice. Yep. Did you scout your Iowa farm at all? No, um, I believe, uh, July 31st, uh, my buddy and I are going out there for a couple of days to, uh, scout, uh, kind of get re. Reac- we've been talking to the landowners just over the phone and, um, so we're, we're all our permission is still good. They just want us to come, you know, shake their hand, uh, reintroduce ourselves and then, uh, we'll get tree stands up and stuff like that and cameras out and then, um, yeah, should be set to go once we get out there. And uh, I think I'll think we'll probably check cameras, you know, I'll cruise by there when I go out hunting and stuff like that and I'll probably check them then and stuff, but should be pretty, pretty good.
0: Have you scouted that farm before? Is this is this a new farm?
1: Uh, there's there's three farms that we have permission on and we've only hunted two of them. Okay. So, we're pretty we're pretty familiar with two of them. And, the th- and I've only hunted Iowa once, and that was in 2018. And I feel really lucky that we, we drew this year, because it was just me and my buddy, and, and we each had one preference point. So, um, But yeah, uh, the we were there for 10 days in 2018, and what we learned the last five days compared to the first, I mean, the first five days were, were tough, were kind of slow, it was, it was cold, and we were still making like moves and trying to just like get closer and closer to, to uh, you know, where we were seeing like consistent buck movement. In the last five days that we were there, it was the amount of encounters we had the last five days compared to the first just like was eye opening. And so we feel like we have a pretty good jump on it this year. And we're hoping that uh, we won't struggle on the first half of the trip so hard. So.
0: Yeah, I, I remember you talking to me about that. You're just blown away by the number of encounters that you had uh, in Iowa uh, compared to not only Nebraska, but to Michigan. Is <laughs> What are you looking forward to more this year? A Nebraska farm that you're now starting to understand and learn the movement of these animals or uh, Iowa just because it's Iowa?
1: It's a great question. I don't know probably probably Iowa just because I know the caliber I mean the bucks in Nebraska are they're big there's a lot of four-year-olds and a lot of three-year-olds and I I mean I don't I don't need to shoot any whoppers I you know I can shoot a 120 130 class three-year-old or four-year-old in Nebraska um I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the happiest I've ever been at that point. Yeah. Um, when I go to Iowa, I'm probably gonna focus more on like a four or five year old. It's crazy that that Iowa tag is so expensive, but for some reason, I have no problem holding out for just like a really nice buck. I think it's because I only get to do it every once in a while, you know? Yeah. So for whatever reason, I don't mind. Well, I mean, I'm I i do not want to eat my tag, right? But uh, I just don't have a problem passing on. Three-year-olds uh, in in Iowa, just because I feel like there's there's such there's just like that next step of deer yeah. of mature bucks in in Iowa.
0: Yeah. So man, I t- I'll t- I'll tell you this, like I tell everybody, when it comes to Iowa, um, especially when you come from a state like Pennsylvania or New York or Michigan, where the biggest deer you've ever seen from a tree stand is one, let's just say one thirty, right? If a one thirty class. Walks by you in Michigan, you're probably gonna shoot it, right? Uh, yeah, every day every day, right? Yep. so yep. man, I tell I, I this is what I tell people about Iowa is if you if you go and you hunt hard and you're there for a week and you're smart about it, man, there you're gonna have at least one encounter with the biggest buck you've ever seen and yeah, and that's me in my little isolated chamber in you know southeast iowa where i do in southeast and and central iowa where i do most of my my hunting i guess east central iowa and southeast iowa but and i've I've never really hunted the west side of the state or the north the north or northeast part of the state or the northwest part of the state there's good deer all over the place but if you're coming down to anything south interstate 80 and anything northeast of des moines let's just say for the most part man you're gonna run into you're gonna run into a very good deer something that you've probably never run, ran into before and uh, man shoot it that's what I say
1: yeah um, I mean 2018 I, I watched two 150 like 150 and 160 class buck fight like 80 yards away just yeah. go at it and I was I mean I just couldn't believe it uh, my buddy, uh, Rattle in like a legit 170 that we had on trail camera. It, it's, it, it, I think it circled downwind of them and only got to like 50 yards and then busted. But I mean, when he told me that, and he, he was like still shaking up when he was telling me the story after he got out of the tree stand that night. It just was like, yeah, man, that's just some, that's just some really cool encounters that it's just, you can obviously can find that stuff in other states, but, yeah. uh, these are, these are the states we picked, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And so the other thing that's uh, very exciting about Iowa for me is it is, yes, we're going to go out there and we're going to set up some tree stands, but that's literally so that like the day we get out there, we can just go sit, kind of scout. Uh, yeah, maybe we have an encounter and you can get it done, but um, it's a lot of run and gun for me out there, and that's, that's what I love. Uh, it's just always i mean i'll do 20 yard moves you know and out yeah. there or down in the middle of the day and i'll move a tree stand 20 30 yards just because i think it uh gets me in a better better spot and uh yeah last or 2018 i was doing that and i just kept getting closer and closer and closer and by the last two days i had four 40 yard encounters with mature box and uh because i'm a, a little bit choosy of what i'll shoot through i never released an arrow but i did come full draw on one kind of get a shot off and you know another one just the doe he was chasing she ended up busting me so yeah it's just it's a, it's a target rich environment for yeah. sure
0: that's awesome so. man well i'm pulling for you and uh right as of right now you don't have any trail cameras in iowa right
1: that is correct okay all right. Cool. No no cams out there.
0: Well, I tell you, man, I, uh, I pulled my first card set this year and and right now, I'll be honest with you. I only have four trail cameras running over mineral stations and in, in Iowa, you're allowed to use mineral, uh, to get deer to come in front of your camera. So I have four set up across the farm, all on locations like fence rows or you know, places that I wouldn't be any good. So most of the uh, encounters that I ha- have, <clears throat> excuse me, most of the uh, uh, pictures that I have are nocturnal. I did get a couple good uh, daylight pictures uh, this, this go round, But the strange thing is, is, you know, if I based my season on a typical you know, mid July, early August card pull, man, I'd be swimming in shooters, right? I mean, it'd just be a matter of time if they stayed uh, during the hunting season, but they don't. So when I went to go check my trail cameras uh, this, you know, this weekend, I was a little disappointed to be honest with you. I had a really big mature buck on camera. I'm I'm thinking he's a five-year-old and I have uh, pictures of him from last year, but that's it my next biggest deer is a one thirty class three-year-old. And I know there's a lot of people right now that are saying, Oh my God, I would die for that deer. Well, you know, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed or whatever you want to call me where I live, where I live. So compared to most years, man, I should be having, you know, the last five years by this time I would have five or six, what I would consider shooters, four year old or older on camera. And this year I have one. Now, I think that there's two issues here. One is I think the farm is just a little bit more active this year. Uh, The landowner has let a farmer come into their pasture and put more cattle in and i think they come to check their cattle and spray for weeds and they're they're checking on them and feeding them so there's a little bit more activity uh as far as activity on the farm and i have a couple of my my uh camera locations that are near that pasture so maybe that has something to do with it the other thing is that the beans are further away from the camera than normal like i do have two cameras over bean fields or it's a mineral site on a field edge on a bean field. And that's where I'm getting this, this big buck uh, coming in it and going on. He's on two trail cameras, but the other cameras that typically I like historically get me the mature bucks on camera, not one, all those and like a one-year-old buck. That's it. All those. So I think what's happening is Once the beans start to pot out and the deer start to hit the bean fields really hard, I think that's when the bigger deer or more of the bucks are going to move into the farm. And I'm going to guess that I I went back and looked at some old years, somewhere around the July 28th to August 3rd timeframe is when a lot of these deer show up and then they stick around all through August and they're in their bachelor groups and then something happens about oh the first two weeks of september and then they split and they leave and they shed their velvet and then then they start showing back up around mid-october so we'll see what happens but if i was to judge the season i mean any any season with a shooter buck on trail camera is a good season you know it gives me hope that something's there but compared to other seasons man It was kind of a poor, a poor card pull for me.
1: Yeah. I have a question. Multiple questions. Um, So do you normally get, I think you kind of just said it, but do you normally get a pretty good influx in that September shift? Like the fall shift? No,
0: no. They, like typically the, all the deer, all the big bucks summer on my farm that I have access to. Then they shift. And they disappear for like four weeks, right? They just, they go back into hiding. They, I don't know if they hit a fall pattern change or whatever it is. There's a, there's a big shift. And then in October, when the deer activity starts to ramp up a little more, that is when the deer start coming back to the farm. And it always starts with nocturnal pictures, it always starts with, you know, one creeping in and then we'll start to see another one creep in. And then what we'll start to see is them cycle through the farm, right? They'll just start cruising through the farm, laying their sign, making the, you know, making their rounds and then somewhere around the late October timeframe, frame then they'll start showing up on daylight. I'll start getting daylight pictures of these bucks cruising the farm, you know. I don't want to say midday, not you know, not late October, but I want to say the 27th and 28th have always stuck out in my mind as a day where I start getting shooters on trail camera that yeah. are, you know, during daylight hours.
1: That's uh, <clears throat> that's kind of how that Nebraska farm typically goes. Last year was uh, kind of an anomaly because of the flood and the, the lack of crops. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, deer do not really, mature bucks do not summer uh, anywhere around that farm that I hunt in Nebraska. And then, you know, I get, get a picture or two of uh, a couple mature bucks randomly. And it's typically, I don't know late august or september or something like that they're usually still in velvet and it's just like a cold front went through yeah and they're just i don't know i don't know if they're bouncing down there uh there's a bunch of big timber to the north of where i hunt so i don't know and that's kind of where they all live and i don't know if they just kind of bounce down you know once or twice um you know august september to kind of just scope out that area and then it seems like they just kind of go return back up to the north and then um yeah it's like once uh If I get a really good cold front in the middle of October, I'll see a big influx of those bucks coming down. Um, And then, yeah, like you said, it's like October 28th, 29th, 30th, it's like they start showing up on camera, and they start showing up a lot closer to last light, that type of time frame, or even, you know, first light. And then typically, yeah, by November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, they're all cruising around during the day, and we're typically there for that, too. Yeah. But um, one thing I'll say is there's a guy I don't you I would assume you've heard of Jeff Sturgis. He's a big uh, whitetail habitat guy yep. in the Midwest. He's always preaching about <clears throat> how you would rather not have mature bucks on your farm during the summer. That you'd rather your farm be a, or your sort your property. You'd rather have your property not have mature bucks during the summer because then you have a place for all those bucks to go when the shift happens okay so he, he a lot of times i hear him talking about you know striving for 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 not you don't really want a summer property he's got all sorts of theories he's also got theories where you need to supply food for every season so you can keep deer on your property year round so they get comfortable stuff like that but he always is harping on don't worry about not having the the quality of deer on your farm that you want in, in the summertime. Yeah. So
0: I'll tell you right now though, there are, you know, the trail cameras that I checked, man, the, the fawn recruitment this year has been unbelievable. Almost every doe has one majority of them have two fawns. So every trail camera picture I get, there's a fawn in tow. So, Uh, That makes me happy that the, you know, the fawn recruitment way less coyotes this, this year than in the past. So, um, you know, I feel like in the last couple of years, the coyotes have really, and this is all based off of trail camera data, right. And, and, and experiences from the tree stand, or, uh, encounters from the tree stand. But what I'll tell you is the coyotes are a little bit lower this year. I think what they, what they did was they came into the farm, they got what they wanted in 2000. And I want to say 18 that year, they, there was, I had one picture or one trail camera picture with 12 coyotes in it. 12, oh, wow. 12. Um, and, uh, like I would say five of them were pups. Right. And the rest was like, so they, there was a huge clan running on this farm. The The deer numbers were down. I didn't see a lot of fawns, to be honest with you. And then 19 was an average year. I noticed some, but this year I've only had two coyotes on trail camera and then a ton of does. So uh, hopefully my goal here is this year is to right off the bat, fill the freezer. I want to shoot like three does this year, fill the freezer, do my part to, I guess, help manage the herd, and then switch to mature buck
1: mode. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. That's uh, yeah, killing a couple does I think is going to end up being on the uh, priority list for us in Nebraska. We've been hunting there long enough, and and we have not killed one, <clears throat> and I think it's time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. so um, I got. I, and it's fu- it's funny you say that because the thickest nastiest places on the farm they hold they hold doe groups right they don't hold any big bucks because I think that a lot of the, the mature deer are betting on different parts of or on the neighbor's farms and then for some reason they come into the farm throughout the the night or the morning or they run their circuit when they're in the rut you know they're on the farm a lot more but then you know after the ruts over you'll see them disappear and they won't show back up until or when i say disappear i mean they're there right up until shotgun season and then they it's almost like they know shotgun season's about to happen then they split and then they might show back up you know a couple times in late late december early january and then they disappear again until summer So, so, I mean, it's, you know, what's really awesome is, and I encourage anybody who can do this to do this, your trail cameras do no good if they're in the, uh, if they're in your garage or in your man cave or sitting in a drawer somewhere. If you have the ability to leave your trail cameras out all year round, I strongly suggest that. Now, there are certain parts of the farm that I do that. And then there's certain parts of the farm that I don't want to take the risk because I've had several trail cameras stolen in the, in the past. But if you have the opportunity to leave trail cameras out all year round, man, it can teach you something because what I used to do, I used to get jacked up and I'm going to take my vacation October 29th all the way to, you know, November 10th. Well, now I don't even start hunting the farm until November 3rd or 4th. And I try to hunt later into November if given the opportunity, because what trail cameras have told me is that more deer are making an appearance in that farm, bigger bucks are making an appearance in that farm, I would say after the peak of their rut or the peak of the breeding, which is November 14th and on. So like November 14th to November 20th is a really, really, really good timeframe on my farm.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, I would. I'll second that with leaving leaving cameras out year round. And even, I mean, the the one thing I've learned so Nebraska, you can start hunting on September first. The farm I hunt, I've never gotten a. I've had for some years I've had three cameras out there. Some years I've had all, all the way up to six. I've never gotten a mature buck picture in September. So I've got a buddy that's always like. He's my buddy that hunts with me every other year out in Nebraska, and then he goes. He's the one that goes to Iowa with me all the time, you know, all the time. It's the second time ever going. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, there's he always wants to go there for you know September first, second, third. And I'm just like, what? There's no. What's the point? There's nothing. Yeah. If you want to go shoot a bunch of does off the farm, let's go do that. But don't plan on seeing. All we're gonna do is swap mosquitoes and sit in eighty degree weather and probably not see any mature bucks. so yeah um see it's just yeah it's valuable it it lets you know when you can hone in your time and like i said i you know i would never know about this like november 18th to 22nd time frame if i never left my cameras out all year round you know what i mean because i'm I'm always out of nebraska by usually the you know seventh eighth ninth something like that so that's another thing i'm pretty excited for this year in nebraska i've never been able to hunt nebraska uh like november like 7th or like 5th 6th 7th and this year just the way the calendar kind of lines up i'm finally going to get that opportunity yeah so november 7th is uh is a day that i've definitely seen a lot of mature bucks on cameras too and that will be the last day that i'll be hunting in nebraska if my vacation you know goes as as, as it's planned and uh if i'm still sitting on a tag on november 7th in the morning i'm going to be pretty uh pretty excited awesome awesome dude yes sir
0: man i tell you what other than other than trail cameras and whitetails man i I just can't stop thinking about my mule deer hunt i'm so jacked up to get back to south dakota and then after that i'll be making an appearance in michigan for a handful of days and then you know let two or three weeks go by and then i'll probably uh you know start hunting iowa pretty hard and you know get into the rut and go balls out and then it's almost like before you know it it's over you blink and you're 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 daydreaming about hunting again
1: i know man i was i was thinking about that on the the drive home from that trip it's like you know i'm going elk hunting on september like 11th or 12th it's like that's that's less than two months and i am i'm nowhere in good enough shape to go elk hunting right now but um there's seasons that open up on like August 15th for like antelope and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like, that's a month away. Yeah. So yep, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how time flew by so fast, but, uh, yeah, Dude. it's, uh, it's getting to be that time of year where things are getting really exciting out there. So
0: I told my, I told my wife, I said, man, I would love to lose some weight before my mule deer trip. Cause I, you know, I'd rather have to, I'd rather carry the weight on my back with extra gear or extra water, honestly, uh, than on my gut, right? And on my body. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so she for Father's Day this year, she got me a gym membership to the gym that she works out at. And it's like boot camp, man. It is intense. So I'm down like eighteen pounds in the past. Attaboy. In the past nice. like five weeks. So I'm I'm really excited I've changed my diet. I've stopped eating sugar and uh, I eat a little bit of sugar, but you know, I'm not pigging out like I used to. And I'm it's crazy because everybody I talk to or the people at the gym are like, oh, you're living this healthy lifestyle, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And all I care about is like if I wasn't going elk hunting or mule deer hunting, I probably wouldn't be doing this. So the only reason <laughs> I, I want to lose weight is so I can perform better in the backcountry, straight up. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: I hear you. I, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about like ethics, hunting ethics, like ethical shots. I don't know. Uh, just ethical situations, you know. And I think physical fitness is a huge part of hunting ethics that gets overlooked all the time. You know, why would you not want to be, if you're trying to kill a high caliber animal, why wouldn't you? want to be the highest caliber animal that you could be yeah. to kill that animal. Yeah. So, well, I just I think it kind of plays into ethics and and that's what kind of motivates me. And then also, yeah, you don't want to be you don't want your trip to be just a complete suck fest because you didn't oh, yeah. prep for it. Right? Yeah.
0: yeah. I my whole goal is to never experience my first elk hunt again because that was I just it was that Hey, here's what I'm going to do to prepare for, you know, 9,000 feet. I'm going to lift weights. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I didn't know anything about, you know, not that. So now I'll, now I just straight up, you know, this is like high cardio, you know, there's weights too, but my, you know, I actually feel like I'm at 10,000 feet when I'm at doing this class because I'm just (laughs) the whole time. And, uh, Uh dude, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm going to keep doing this all of next year too, because, you know, 2021 I'm, I'm cashing in points for Wyoming and whatnot. And, uh, I want to be, I want to be the alpha, you know, I want to be the, the, the predator, the who's in shape and can go and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And, uh, that's the goal, man. And I turned forty, so i i gotta I gotta yep. do something, or or I, or I I got one foot in the grave.
1: Is that so? Is the is does like a, a a number is like a birthday number? Does that like get you to, like when people turn thirty or forty or fifty? It's just like a like a oh shit moment. Does that happen to you with thinking about turning forty?
0: Not not yet, really. With you know, like oh shit, I'm forty. I better start doing these things. Except for my my hunts because it just so happens that I'm gonna celebrate my 40th year by going on more hunts and a little bit from from the business side of things like I want my 40th year to be also an epic year for the Sportsman's Nation and the Nine Finger Chronicles and I'm what I'm trying to do is put together a film series called Year 40 where oh, nice. I'm having a camera guy come with me uh, all through my 40th year, whether whether I go fishing with my family or I go, you know, on this elk hunt, mule deer hunt, whatever. I'm, I want to try to document it. So I'm trying to get the logistics put together on that and make that something special as well. So
1: Nice. That's cool. That's yeah. Great idea.
0: Yep, yep. So I can hear my one of my kids crying out uh outside and <laughs> that means it's time to go. So, Bob man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with me a little bit about your uh gross poison ivy <laughs> outbreak and <laughs> yep. uh in Michigan. So, uh man, we'll talk to you next time.
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Dan.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Bob huge shout out to you guys. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, if it wasn't for you, I would not be here today. This would have probably dried up and it, I, would, I would still be doing something because I'm that passionate about it. But sitting up in this office and dedicating the time to this that I do would not be possible if it wasn't for you. So, Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, Vortex Optics, The Average Conservationist, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Vortex Optics to name them, Wasp Archery and Ozonic Scent Elimination. Please go out, support the companies that support this podcast and uh, several of them have discount code. So if you need a discount code uh, for some of those companies, hit me up and I'll try to hook you up with any discount that I can. Thank you very much. I love you guys. Have a great summer and man, I don't know what else to say. I'm just a uh, hashtag blessed. Talk to you later guys.